This is Keeping It 101, a Killjoy's introduction to religion podcast. In 2022-2023, our work is made possible through a UVM REACH grant, as well as a loose AAR Advancing Public Scholarship grant. We're grateful to live, teach, and record on the current ancestral and unceded lands of the Abnaki, Wabanaki, and Akosisko peoples. And as always, you can find material ways to support indigenous communities on our website. What's up, nerds? Hi, hello. I'm Megan Goodwin, a scholar of American religions, race, gender, and politics. Hi, hello. I'm Elise Morgenstein, first a historian of religion, Islam, race and racialization, and South Asia. All right. So you did a We're thing and I did banter. a thing. and I, Yes, we are. We are at banter. Banter is now. Now is banter. We're here. I'm queer and we love TV, which is why we're so glad you asked us what we're watching. Why I'm so glad you asked. I do really love TV, Megan. I know. I know. I've been loving TV my whole damn life. If there is a late 80s ABC soap opera... I probably watched it with my mom. Is there any network TV serial or sitcom from the 90s or early 2000s? Great. I have lasting opinions on it and will end you if you share the wrong one. <laughs> Do I have terrible sleep hygiene and have I fallen asleep with the TV since I bought my own VCR TV combo at the Nobody Beats the Wiz in Paramus, New Jersey with my own Boss Mitzvah money? You betcha. And since you asked, yes, indeed, my husband is a saint because I fall asleep with the TV on every night. And if you shut it off, I will wake up. So very fun. But uh, aside from all of that disclosure, why, why are we talking about my like second partner or not so secret boyfriend TV on our religion podcast, Megan okay. Goodwin? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Three reasons. I know. <laughs> you know how I love a trilogy. Okay. So one, it's our podcast and we do what we want. Two. Fair. Yeah. Uh, the nerds asked us to talk about it, and we love our nerds. And then three, we both use films and television in our classes, so I thought maybe we could each share a few things that we use in our classes about religion on this episode to talk about what we're watching. Making said episode not just a so glad you asked, but also... Oh, no. Yes. Oh, yes. Ugh. Surely you jest. Indeed, I do not, and don't call me Shirley. That's right, it's time for... Primary sources! Primary sources. <laughs> hey, Arf, uh, what are we watching? What you, I wanted you to do a full beasties. What you, <laughs> what you, what what you, you watching? Watch, what, what you watch? What you watch? What you watch? <laughs> but I was supposed to go first. You were. <laughs> so let's do it again. All right. Megan, what you watching? What you, what you, what you watch? Terrible. Yeah. Uh, trash. A lot of trash. I watch so much trash. Right now, I am watching Superstore, which I did not expect to like because it seemed wholesome, but instead it's secretly about labor politics and mm -hmm. also working for uh, different kinds of Christians, which has been funky. Uh, the episode I just watched, you'll like this, at least you're adopted, was about the Superstore manager, store owner, bringing in all of his adopted and fostered children to work with him. Oh, yeah, it was both funny and uh, it, it got real in some places, which is kind of what I enjoy about the show. So also, I just like Garrett because he's funny and hot at the end. I am a serious scholar. What are you watching? I'm always watching like at least three or four K-dramas, but I won't get into those. Because <laughs> I feel like it's a niche art audience, but I am. And I assume, given our audience, the nerds will appreciate mm -hmm. that we are in a deep rewatch of the X Files. 
deep. <laughs> I feel like I've really every benefited. Night, every night yeah. X-Files. I really enjoy an every night X-Files update. Guess what the cult is doing today? Guess what other kind of... Guess, well, guess who else is in a cult? Guess, yeah. guess who else died because of a cult is literally the subtitle of X-Files. X-Files, guess who else died because of a cult? Well, Megan, I have to say, I had forgotten, A, I had forgotten how ridiculous the 90s was. Just like... A lot. Like, very. Extremely. And number two... I had forgotten that every time religion shows up in this show, it is evil. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, But then mm -hmm. it's also confusing because, like, secularism is also evil in this show and the government is evil. So, like, it's really just evil all the time. Yes. But the religion being evil is some nonsense. Like, there was a Jew episode not that long ago in our watch. I don't know what season we're on, everybody, so don't ask. But it's what everyone is like, a golem. Like, there's, like, an actual, like, there's, like, Hasidic Jews from Brooklyn, and they're, like, oh, my God, someone died. And also, like, we're super tied to Prague, which is foreshadowing, but the golem. And then, like, they get murdered by Nazis, but then they, like, they're the bad guys. They, like, resurrect the guy as a golem. And the whole time is, like, um, like, everyone's, like... It's the Jews. And you're like, oh, oh this no. is really super anti-Semitic while also being anti-Nazi. It's confusing because every Jew you see is Hasidic. And it's like, they all speak with an accent like they're from the old country. And I'm like, the dates don't work on this. The dates, they don't work. The dates no. don't work. It's I mean, just- this is this is the show that also set its arguably most infamous episode uh, in Pennsylvania. And then it had all of its characters who were uh, inbred. Talk we about. literally can't talk about this episode. It is that no, terrifying. I just, all, all I'm going to say is that all of the characters in this episode who are the bad guys who live in Pennsylvania keep talking about the war of northern aggression and the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania fought for the Union. So I just feel like maybe there wasn't a whole lot of fact checking on the X-Files. Oh, no, there's no fact checking. It's ridiculous. There was in one episode, Meg, remember when I um, contacted you? late at night about the ways in which all of the things you hate about cults was in one episode. Like there was literal (laughs) Kool-Aid. There were like stupid, (laughs) all the white people were wearing like salwar kameez, but also turbans, but the women were bald, but wearing turbans. It was hella confusing. And then like, I mean, who knows? There could have been a magic carpet. Like who would have known? Some terrible like cult turmeric smoothie. I don't care for it. Yeah. Yeah, it was like if Orientalism and cults had a baby, the mm-hmm, baby mm-hmm. would be this episode. Yes. No, thank you, and please. It was, anyway, I had forgotten that the 90s were filled with religion. So what is supposed to be escapist isn't something that's like me yelling at you about more bad 90s religion. But pretty delightful 90s power suits. Scully forever, the end. But record scratch? Uh, <laughs> what was that? Oh, it's the sound of second primary sources. Primary, primary sources. Teaching edition. Oh, I want to know about films or TV. TV's. <laughs> TV's show that you use in your classroom. We should definitely record at night more often. It's good for me. I've been up for at least 15 hours. All right. Um, what do I teach in my class? So normally I would say without, without, Without abandon, reckless abandon, I would cop to teaching Sita Sings the Blues whenever I teach a Hinduism class, which isn't super often, but regularly enough. But I do want to mention that I literally learned yesterday that the film's creator, uh, Nina Paley, is apparently a raging transphobe. So yep, that's we're going to asterisk that. But at the same time, Sita Sings the Blues, 
a really, really great capper to a unit I do on multiplicity in the Ramayana and who's allowed to write new texts about it and things like that. So I do teach that regularly. I just taught it this semester, but we'll now teach it with an asterisk. Yeah. Sometimes terrible people make good art and we have to talk about both their terribleness and the art. Yeah. Yeah. For TV, I do teach um, Man Like Mobine, which is a, a killer British comedy by Guz Khan, which is set in Birmingham, which is oh, you're where going I'll there. have a Fulbright in a minute. Um, so it's just funny as hell. And it's like, I mean, I don't know that I get most of it because I am, I am not from Birmingham, what? but like, it's delightfully hilarious and does religion in really interesting ways that are not reductive. And then I also teach with this really upsetting film called The Feeling of Being Watched by Asya Bondawi, who is a Chicago-based Muslim, and it really is like, we are surveilled all the time. Here's my experience um, trying to get a FOIA, uh, federal information, freedom of information stuff, uh, trying to get that answered and fulfilled, and all of the like horrifying police stuff that happens. It is a tough watch, but my students in Islam and race watch it um, and write really great essays about it. Okay. I should add that to my class because of teaching Islam this semester and also next semester. Weird. I will look into that. Thank you. You're welcome. I teach probably more than that, but I'm curious, Megan, since you do a lot more contemporary things, Famously, there's a lot to talk about when you teach, like, say, a class on witches about television. Less so when you're talking about, like, the Mughal Empire. Unless you want to make kids watch the, like, four-hour Bollywood films, which, going forward, who's to stop me? I was going to say, you have the tenure. Use it. I love it. Yeah. But tell me about what you're teaching. (laughs) Yeah. So, again, through a a curious and unfortunate series of events, I wound up teaching Islam classes this semester. Uh, I had very little time to put them together. So it is fair to say that I have been leaning heavily on media analysis, which is, I don't want to make it sound like including media analysis as part of your classwork is not doing real scholarship because I absolutely believe that it is. But also there are definitely like more media analysis assignments this semester because I had to cobble together two classes from like 12 other classes that I have taught, but uh, not put together in these configurations. I'm hedging. Anyway, so my intro to Islam class uh, watched Persepolis early on in the semester because we had been having an entire conversation about Islam and gender in global contexts. So it actually really set us up nicely for conversations about what's going on in Iran right now for them to have that history and also to show, I think, the complexity of Iranian women uh, in a way that we don't often see in movies and film and TV that get released in the U.S. Yeah. So, and that eye of the tiger scene kills no matter what, yeah. no matter what. No, it's fantastic. Like it's, it's a great it's a, scene. It's a genuinely good and funny and enjoyable and heartbreaking movie in a lot of ways. And I would use it even in a not Islam class, but it worked, I thought, very well to set up, hey, Islam and Islam and gender are way more complicated than you think they are. And also, you are not allowed to talk to me about Iran until you read some more things. Thanks. Thanks. Which is, I had not anticipated that being quite so necessary this semester, but 
golly, golly, gosh, gee, it sure was. So I was glad to have done that early on. And then I wanted to close the semester with something kind of fun and funky. So I wanted to talk about Islam and popular culture like you do. And I have spent a lot of time thinking about uh, monsters, as listeners of the pod probably already know. So I wanted to do a unit on vampires and Islam, because most of the stories that Americans hear about vampires tend to lean pretty heavily Christian. Uh, But Sophia Arjana and a number of other scholars have pointed out the ways that these are often also Orientalist stories, stories that tell us important things about how we imagine the East and its monsters, which just happen to be Jews and Muslims. Uh, So that was... Important to me to include, I am not 100% sure it worked in the way that I would have liked it to. Uh, so I had my students read uh, Arjana's Monsters of Orientalism. They read a piece that I wrote that I'll win- we'll link to in the show notes about a film called Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is about an, a, a hmm, it is about a Persian-speaking vampire lady who lives in bad city, which might or might not be Tehran, but also Los Angeles. Uh, I really love the film because it's dark and moody and it's brooding. It feels a little bit like Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive, but it also really messes with our, our expectations about what Muslim women look like on film. So she's bad. She says she's bad. She does terrible and like morally ambiguous things. She does some good things too, but it's not, she's not a good Muslim and she's not a bad Muslim. She's a monster and she's way more complicated than most Muslim women get to be on screen again in things that get popularly released in the US. So I like the film a lot. I'm not sure I would use it in an intro class again, because it turns out that first year students are not all super excited about a Jarmushi feeling. I know. I know. I am truly the weirdest. I know. All right. What else you got going on? Because you do things besides Islam. I do. I do. Yes. Mostly. You know, as the Islamic studies person saying. (laughs) So, okay. So one place that I feel like I use media really well is my meanings of death class. We start the class after we've done kind of introductions, one of the first things we do is watch This Is How I Leave You, which is a hilarious movie about sitting Shiva uh, in upstate New York with a family that is culturally but not particularly religiously Jewish. And the dad has died. And his final request we're given to understand was that his whole family would come home and sit Shiva. And the whole story is just about how much it fucks up your life if you don't sit with your grief, uh, which is not a story we get a lot in non-Jewish spaces. And it's just, I mean, the the cast is just stacked. So it like starts with Jane Fonda and like Adam Driver and uh, Connie Britton. Like it's just, oh, the acting is amazing. It is heartbreaking, but also genuinely funny and silly. And it, it makes you sit with not just the messiness of grief, but why it's so helpful to have ritual and what it does to have ritualized community support in moments of crisis. And we used it as a reference point throughout the rest of the semester. And I was really glad to have included that. So high recommend. Um, The other film that I use in that class that I I really love using, although (laughs) this was... Remember how you said that I was the weirdest? So my thought was, wow, I always teach these like dark, horrible things. What if I include something nice for once? I know it's a meaning of death class. I'll, I'll include Coco. You are insane. You watched that for the first time at my house and I you know, wept. I you wept. I stopped. I was just like, 
But it was you were literally nice. here taking care of me after surgery, and I was like, I need a new ice pack. And Megan's like, hold up. I have to, like, ugly cry for the next 25 minutes. That's correct. Yes. Right. So, okay, my brain and is a little bit broken. This was, like, light. This was a nice, this was a nice you know, it's, it's animated and colorful, and it has the Megan, nice songs. I know. Prince Goodwin. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. You're correct. I know. You're right. So you teach Coco and correct. I sure do. Well, and it's gorgeous. And it also really helps us pull the threads together of like the dead are not gone. They're still with us. How we maintain those relationships through again, ritual practices and family ties and different kinds of kinship. And it turns out when I was doing some research to be able to help my students think more closely about the film, I wish I had planned this, but I didn't. It turns out it's actually a great way to get at a lot of messy political violence under the surface of the film, particularly in the colonial history of Mexico, because how comes the only indigenous presence in that film is A, in architecture, and B, in the land of the dead? Like, even in a movie full of magic, we can't imagine alive native folks in Mexico. And that hurts my soul a lot. Oh, yeah. But like we had just read on Zaldua. We just did all of this Borderlands work. We just talked about like it it does exactly the thing. It's perfect. It's just it was not light. It was not light. It was not like a cute note to go out on. It was not. I need supervision in the end. All right. Well, so it sounds like the big picture here <laughs> is that we pick when when we pick with the right films to use in class, it can really help these big concepts and these hard theorists land uh and probably if you're in megan's class weep or be haunted for weeks that's fair i didn't even talk about the time i told showed my students the ring i fucked them You've good about it in other episodes and so i think our our audience is getting a really good picture of you being like terrifying <laughs> that's accurate you should be afraid yeah yeah Anyway, I really like using films and TV in my class. I used to really like having students live tweet films so that I could see kind of what was landing in real time and they could talk to each other while the film was going on. Uh, but with Twitter being the mess it is right now, that assignment is on hiatus indefinitely. But don't pack up your stuff yet, nerds. It's time for homework. Homework? What homework? You know what? I don't, I don't really have good homework on the crappy TV I watch. But if you're looking for pop culture things, I do have a couple of wrecks. I would say Friend of the Pod, Lori Silver's Sufi Mysteries Quartet is one of those things that teaches beautifully, is fiction, is interesting. There's, there's it's mysteries. It's great. So I would recommend that. And if we're thinking about Muslim representation, Islam in film, global film, and religion, Christian Peterson, also a friend of ours, is uh -huh. the guy for me. Uh -huh. um, so I'll link to him. And then if you're interested in the other media that I teach in my Islam and race class, I will link some of this. Excellent. Uh, I mentioned that we talk about the colonial violence and erasure of Native people in Coco in my class. Uh, and that is largely driven by a really fantastic post on Latino rebels written by Cervantes Altamirano called Understanding Mexican Nationalism and Mestizaje. And so we've got a link for that. And I'm going to plug again the thing that I wrote about Girl Walks Home Alone at Night for the Mizan Project, May It Rest, because uh, I just think that film is really cool. And there is an article version, actually, in a volume that Christian edited as well, because he is the bee's knees. Shout out to Evie Wolf, Rachel Zeef, and Juliana Finch, the KI-101 team, whose work to make this 
pod accessible and therefore awesome listenable social mediable among many other things for which we are grateful yup you can find megan that's me on twitter for now at mpg phd and elise at p-r-o-f-i-r-m-f or the pod at keeping it underscore 101 find the website at keeping it 101.com find us on insta and now on tiktok drop us a rating or review in your podcatcher of choice and with that peace out nerds Dear Homer, it's on the syllabus. I want to tell the story of Jesus from the perspective of a filmmaker exploring the life of Jesus. That sounds... Very appealing to filmmakers. See, in the filmmaker's film, Jesus is a filmmaker trying to find God with his camera. But then the filmmaker realizes that he's actually Jesus and he's being filmed by God's camera. And it goes like that forever in both directions, like a mirror in a mirror, because all of the filmmakers are Jesus and all of their cameras are God. And the movie's called Abed. All caps. <laughs>